Hi, folks. Welcome to the Arizona Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McLaren with Long Realty in Tucson, Arizona, licensed realtor. And today we're covering the topic of earnest money. Now, in a future podcast, we're going to be talking about all the ways you can get your earnest money back and when you have to release earnest money to a seller and when you could lose your money, earnest money as a buyer and all of that in a future podcast. In this podcast, we are going to be talking about why do people give earnest money at all? Where does this tradition come from and why do we even have to do this? Thank you so much for joining us today. And I am just kind of one of those folks that when people ask me those questions like, where does earnest money come from? Why are we giving earnest money? What is this all about? That I want to go and research and find out the answer to this question because I wonder this myself sometimes when I first started in real estate and when I was a consumer, not in real estate, like, why do I have to give my money up front? I haven't even inspected the house. I don't know if I want to buy it. Why am I giving money up front? Why isn't signing a contract and having a loan good enough? I don't get it. What's going on? So a lot of people feel this way. I know. So I did a little digging and I'm going to share some highlights of what I found with you. It's just kind of like a humorous little um, podcast here of, um, geek information. If you love knowing history and you want to know where things come from and why do we give earnest money in real estate transactions? So when I looked into the history of earnest money, I found some interesting references to other terminologies throughout history. Um, I got back to the 13th and 14th century of when money has been used to secure agreements between people. Um, one of the first references I found was in medieval times. Uh, it was called a God's penny. Um, and it was interesting. It was, it was a customary exchange of money between individuals during medieval times and handing over of a God's penny, which could be any amount above a penny, was one of the ways in which two traders would seal a bargain. And it was the equivalent of, you know, today's modern binding deposit given by a buyer. Now, the name earlier was derived from a belief in the church of a voluntary donation. Um, you know, several hundred years before it was used legally between traders to seal a bargain, um, this penny, um, this coin, as it were, kind of had mystical qualities to folks of the Christian faith during this time. Um, and I'm by no means an expert on any of this. So please Google God's penny if you want to see. There's like so many great um, um theses on this. Uh, but uh, the gist of it was basically when folks would give a God's penny, it was kind of the amount, let's say you paid, you know, 50 pennies for something um, and, you, you know, three of them were God's pennies. That person was then supposed to take those three pennies and donate that to the church and then they would keep the other 
47. It was kind of the percentage that was obligated to be donating to the church back in the days when I think there was a lot of, you know, um, tithing that was like a normal part of just civilization. Uh, it was a very um, religious, you know, mindset. And of course, it really only worked amongst folks of the same religion um, who you know, traitors that were both of the same faith, uh, the Christian faith at that time. Um, but so it was kind of this mystical coin um, that you were really bound, you know, it was a part of your, you know, spiritual relationship with the church and with God to pass this coin along. I mean, it was like a really big deal. You know, it was part of your whole um, spiritual relationship uh, to, you know, you were bound to donate this coin. So then it kind of evolved into more of a, of a civilian life, not just the religious life of the time, to where it actually even made it into some of the legal laws and things like that, where it would be part of, um, you know, sealing a bargain between traders. Um, and it was a way to say, like, yes, you give me, you know, all these, you know, uh, fabrics now, and I will come back in nine months with the dye and the spice, and here's, you know, my God's penny to seal the deal. You can, I'm honorable, it's, you can trust me. I'm bound to my word, you know. Um, so that was really interesting. There are whole uh, theses articles written on this. Um, if you look up God's penny, uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, the history, and then I found other references um, uh, in uh, the British Army and Royal Navy in the 18th and 19th centuries, um, and they had a similar um, type of um, coin that was used as a binding agreement, and it was used uh, to join the armed forces. It was called a king's shilling or a queen's shilling, depending on who was uh, ruling in power at the time. And um, the practice dated back to the end of the English Civil War, and you would take the, the queen's shilling to agree to serve as a sailor or a soldier uh, in the Navy or the Army. Um, and it was sort of a, you know, it was a commitment. You, it, was, it was a binding of your word um, that was more serious than just giving your word, you know. Um, and then uh, there's even references in the late um, uh, 18th, 19th century, early 20th century um, for an Arliss penny, which is another coin that was given uh, when folks would hire um, help, like in the home or on their properties, um, they would agree to hire this person and they were going to start in two weeks and they were going to come be their cook or something. And so they would give them this Arliss penny uh, to seal the deal that, it, you know, they were committed that it's done. You can count on this. Um, kind of like the modern day security deposit when you go rent a apartment. You know, I will pay you $600 every month for the next year. You can trust me. You don't have to look for anyone else. Take it off the market. Now, in terms of just the origin of the word earnest money itself, um, and when we started using earnest money here uh, in the U.S., um, 
in a large part, um, if you look at commercial goods and commercial sale of goods in the 19th century here, so that's like the 1800s, um, lots of times things would just be done on a handshake and they'd be done verbally. And so people would accept a little money up front to seal the deal, uh, the handshake deal. It'd be evidence of the agreement of a sale uh, of goods in the commercial area and this would be called earnest or earnest money like we're earnestly going to do this deal i'm earnest i want to make this work you know here's 10 percent right now you know um and then earlier than world war ii um when people were buying real estate there wasn't as much wide availability of lenders and there would be a lot of seller financing um, which people still do now like it's called a seller carryback uh, where instead of getting a loan, you just pay the seller. Um, and that's a whole other podcast topic we can talk about, uh, seller financing. Um, and I would love to have an actual lender on for that because that, that would they would be the best ones to speak to you about that. Um, but back when that was done widely and the negotiation and drafting of contracts and stuff, it took a long time to come together um, more so. Um, lots of times people would do what's called like a letter of intent where they would basically send kind of an early earnest agreement saying, hey, I want to buy your house. I want to get into contract with you. Here's some money. And then the acceptance of this agreement, this earnest intent to get in contract with you and work out the details later, um, you know, came along with earnest money. Um, and then it would become kind of a, a contract um, that you would agree to get into actual contract later, you know. Um, so it was kind of like a letter of intent to get into college where you send part of the tuition with it. <laughs> or something like that. Um, so, and today we have bilateral contracts that people get into right away. That's the offer. It becomes the contract. Uh, so, uh, but we still have the earnest money that's still hung around as a form of showing how serious folks are and expressing their intent and commitment to follow through on the contract um, and purchase this property. just an intrinsic part of our civilization that has gone back, um, you know, very far. I mean, I found it back just to the 13th century in the few minutes of digging I did on it um, when I was looking into it. So it seems just a part of our human history that in some cultures uh, folks have given coins or money as a way to express commitment and to secure a bond of their word to do something. In this case, purchase your home. So there you go. The basic origins of earnest money and why we give earnest money. So please tune back in. Uh, next week, we are gonna be talking about how you get your earnest money back if you're a buyer in an Arizona real estate contract, ways you can lose your earnest money if you're a buyer. And sellers, when do you get to keep a buyer's earnest money if the deal doesn't work out? And when do you have to give it back? Um, what does the contract state? So tune in next week for that and have a great first week of January out there, 2021. Let's hope for a better year, huh? 
Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week.